0: and welcome to Talk with a Doc, the show where we bring your questions to Providence medical experts for insight and information. Remember, everyone, all of our questions come from you, our listeners, via social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag Talk with a Doc, that's hashtag Talk with a Doc, for a chance to hear your questions in our episodes. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. It's great to be with you today. My name is Lori Kelly, and I'm your host for this broadcast this afternoon. I'm the Chief Philanthropy Officer and Senior Vice President here at Providence. As a reminder, the information provided during this event is for informational purposes only. For any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or your health care professional. So we're going to begin today, and I'm really excited. Um, I, I wish we weren't having to talk about COVID, but today we do have an expert with us, and his name is Dr. Robert Litchfield. He's a Family Practice Specialist at Providence Spokane Urgent Care, and so, just to to kick it off, um, Rob, tell us a little bit about your job and what your role is here with Providence.
1: Thank you. Thanks for uh, letting, me on the broadca- letting, letting me be on the broadcast today. I'm <laughs> I'm one of the <clears throat> I'm one of the medical directors at one of our at our at two of our three urgent cares in Spokane. I've been with Providence since 2012. I got to do my residency in family medicine at Sacred Heart Hospital, um, and then I took the job at the urgent care right after that. And I've been doing urgent care for about six and a half years.
0: Wow, Wow. and so, so Spokane uh, Sacred Heart is one of our really large medical centers over in um, eastern Washington, and so quite a bit of uh, COVID going on in that area, right? And so, in, and at the urgent care too. And I know one of the things that we wanted to talk about today is where do you go when you think you have COVID, and um, and so, so what's the, you know, what's the best uh, path for people? And so, first to just kick it off, what are the typical signs of Omicron?
1: It's a it's a good question. The, the the Omicron pattern, like the symptom pattern, has been a little bit different than than the past strains. They they all overlap, unfortunately, as a lot of viral illnesses do. But some of the distinctions with Omicron lately is it's more for most patients, it's more like your typical cold symptoms and less of a fever. We can, again, we can still get any of the of the viral symptoms with it, but the, but it's more sore throat, scratchy throat, fatigue, um, less of a cough. I feel like I'm seeing with, mm. with Omicron, but s- plenty of folks still have a cough. Um, but an overall kind of symptom syndrome profile, syndrome being a collection of symptoms. Um, it's, it's less severe in general than, than Delta and the original COVID-19 have been, uh, based on what I've seen in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, you re- referenced Delta. So we went from Delta and I know we're going through the alphabet to omicron. and um, and so what what are the big differences? Are, are people still getting Delta? Is that over? and now everyone's that is surfacing has got Omicron? how is that working?
1: It's a great question. <clears throat> it, the Delta is still out there. it's It's definitely no longer the prevalent strain. Omicron is like clearly taken over as uh, you're talking probably almost 80, ninety percent um, of the of the cases that we're seeing are Omicron. But Delta is still out there, but probably more as as viral illnesses and, and epidemics go, Delta's Delta's hopefully on its way out.
0: Yeah. Okay. And and regarding Omicron, why is it so much more contagious than Delta and then the original COVID-19?
1: There's I I kinda I like to call I like to think of it and talk about it like what I call epidemiological physics. And what I mean by that is that there's some there's some biological patterns that are rather predictable. And and one of those is that with most illnesses over time, there'll be genetic selection or kind of just a pattern um, for for an illness that's more contagious. So the virus adapts to our cells and our bodies to be to spread itself faster but but at the same time, it tends to become what's called less virulent, which means it's it's less deadly. It's less severe for the most part. And we're talking generally across a population. Individual patients can still get very, very ill and sometimes die um, from something like Omicron. And, and unfortunately, we still are having folks pass from it. But um, what we what what we've observed from the original strain of COVID to Delta and to Omicron is is kind of a, a somewhat typical uh, biological pattern, which is more contagious, less severe, less deadly.
0: Okay. And if you think you have it, what's the best, what is, what is your advice? What should you do? Buy a home test, go to the emergency room, probably not. Um, talk about that because I think people are really confused and a lot of people have, I know, have been exposed and they know they've been exposed so and they're feeling okay. So talk about what, you know, the different scenarios and what your advice would be there.
1: Yeah, there's there's several different pathways that are reasonable, um, and 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 this has been one of the you know that question of what do I do now yeah. has been of course the main one of the main struggles through the whole pandemic as the as the situation just changes constantly, um, it, it, but, but to, in considering population health and then what are the local health resources to accommodate the needs of the population, um, but but for for now what the the current kind of some of the reasonable pathways are. If if patients have the option, like if they are in a space where they can isolate and quarantine for the five days, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm recommending that a lot of people do that, meaning even instead of just going and getting a test, if yeah. if, if you have symptoms that are consistent with covid, it's by far the most prevalent uh, virus right now. So if, if you can stay home isolate for five days until your symptoms improve considerably and then the recommendation is it's okay to come out of isolation but then a mask for five days that's the current cdc recommendation
0: even at home with your family
1: correct so that so that's one pathway um that that i think is that to me is reasonable now um, in that pathway there's there's always the advice and the and the encouragement for anybody if if folks are really worried particularly as it, as it relates to their breathing, if they're having a hard time catching their breath, they -hmm. should come in. Like that's, that's really the line to come into the urgent care or come into the, to, into the ER. If they feel like that they're considerably sicker than they're usually accustomed to with a, say a typical cold. Um, and, 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 and speaking of symptoms specifically, if they're, I tell the phrase I use with patients almost every day is if you're worried about your breathing, you need to come in. Like, I want to see you. If if, if you're worried about your breathing, but but so, so one pathway is to stay home and isolate if, if folks can. Um, And I'll be honest with you, me personally, that's the one I think I would follow. Um, If, if I, if I didn't, if I didn't have pressing uh, sort of uh, exigent uh, professional educational sort of dynamics where I was otherwise expected to be um, in groups with people, I would try and just isolate personally. I would um, the, another, another option is to be tested Um, and, and the home tests are, they're, they're not quite as accurate as some of the other tests that we, um, that we have available to us. The other challenge and and concern is there's, there's always a a concern about operator error, um, (laughs) with with home tests. And that's, that's not to say that, that folks can't do it or like they can't, they can't figure out how to swab their nose, but there's just all, there's always going to be that question when the test wasn't really observed, it wasn't really done by anybody else. Um, right. So that's an ongoing concern. But I still think, especially under the current we're we're seeing with Omicron, we're seeing more COVID than we've ever seen. Right. Through this whole right. through this whole pandemic, it is just raging, of course. Um, and um, and uh, and so the home testing certainly needs to be a part of our overall um, sort of testing strategy. Um, and then there's there's quite a few different pathways in Spokane for folks to pursue a test. A, a, a lot of the primary care offices will do virtual visits and then order outpatient COVID tests. And there's several labs around town where they can get testing um, through with, with an order from their physician or their primary care doctor, primary care provider. Um, There's, there's the testing site um, um, at Spokane falls at the community college where uh, the, where the health department is still running some testing. Um, And then um, the, folks can come in to the urgent care to be tested. We've done, we've done so much, so much testing throughout the entire uh, pandemic and we still are. Um, but it, the need has arisen and kind of the clarity has come from some of the leadership councils that I, that I participate in (coughs) the urgent cares and the, and the, and the ERs need to really remain the treatment centers instead of the testing centers. Um, if we, if we, If we utilize our urgent care um, uh, capacity for just testing, it makes it so that it's harder to treat the folks who really need the doctor, right? Or who really need the PA or nurse practitioner is going to be there to, to help them sort through kind of a more, more severe illness than just needing to know whether or not they have COVID or not.
0: Right. And if you have been exposed to someone and um, you know, they have COVID, but you're not feeling any symptoms at all. um, What's your recommendation there?
1: Yeah so the the current recommendation is to mask and and there's no current requirement to test if we've been exposed. Okay. Um, it's it's very symptoms driven now. So if you if you develop symptoms then then <clears throat> then following one of the pathways of either isolation for the 5 to 10 days or um or getting a test to to, to help guide the isolation process as well. But if we're if we're exposed we're not that we we can we can continue uh masked and distancing
0: okay and how about how long is omicron lasting if you contract it
1: yeah on 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 average what i what i feel like i'm hearing from most patients and what i'm hearing from the other physicians who are who are treating uh omicron is is that it seems like there's a couple of days where folks feel pretty sick like 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 a pretty bad cold or feel just terribly achy all over, or they feel, um, or they feel just terribly fatigued. They don't feel, they don't feel like up to doing much, um, for several days, two to three days of that real, I'm sick, uh, (laughs) feel. Um, and then usually there's a pretty marked improvement within about five or six days. Um, and, and some of the, some of the fatigue might be residuals. Sometimes there can be residual dry cough um but but usually it's encapsulated within about a week um of of feeling i what i say to most folks is they feel mostly better they feel 95% better um Great. the uh and then there are those cases there 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 are the cases the very unfortunate cases where where i'll in fact i can think of one gentleman that i've gotten to see several times in the clinic where um now this was some months ago it wasn't with omicron but with one of the previous covid strains he he got COVID and then, I mean, he had symptoms for, for two months, you know, loss of taste and fatigue and the cough just wouldn't go away. And, and so there are rare uh, cases where these symptoms can last a long time. But for most of us, Omicron seems to be encapsulated within about a week of symptoms anyway.
0: Great. And um, we have a question. And also just to remind people that might be watching today, uh, we do have time for questions, and we're talking with Dr. Rob Litchfield from Providence, who um, knows a lot about treating COVID. <laughs> so um, we do have a question saying, uh, asking if the COVID vaccine is effective against Omicron.
1: The the original COVID vaccines were, were, uh, were derived from the original strain of COVID, going back right to the very beginning of the pandemic, you know, March 2020 um and and they targeted the way the vaccines work there's several different types of vaccines that are available and two of the vaccines the the most kind of i think um they all really have their place there's the moderna vaccine there's pfizer and both of those work on very similar concepts very it's it's novel technology but but it's the same idea that they're using to, to in in a very novel way to to achieve a vaccine Um, And then the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is is a little bit different. It's still novel technology, but it it operates in a little different biological principles. Um, So those original vaccines are still very helpful. Um, As as any virus mutates and changes over time, the the original vaccines as they were developed won't be quite as effective, Um, but it, it doesn't make them ineffective. And, and, it, and it doesn't make them kind of useless, as it were. Um, and, and we've even seen that pretty prominently as we've considered uh, outcomes in COVID. And by outcomes, we mean who gets hospitalized and who dies from COVID. Folks folks who have had any of the vaccines are far less likely to be hospitalized and far less likely to die from COVID. And that includes with Omicron infection.
0: OK. And so if you haven't been vaccinated, you're... you're um your advice is to get the vaccine and get
1: boosted or not absolutely and yeah. and each 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 vaccine has its has its virtues um uh and i me personally i would take any one of them i just just for my own personal situation i was vaccinated with pfizer because that's what was available to us yeah. um uh early on and i i was vaccinated and got boosted and i would recommend the same for everyone
0: yeah i i got my vaccines and i just got my booster about a month ago so i was really happy to, to be able to get that and so, you know, so many people now have been impacted and have been affected by by COVID and especially with Omicron. So what is the sense that we're moving towards sort of a herd immunity? What are your feelings on that? And, and do you think the new, whatever the next strain is, how will that, you know, impact those who have already had Omicron or one of the other variants?
1: Yeah, it's a good, great question. So... When you have a strain like Omicron come through a population and really through the whole world, um, the way it's done, it it certainly um, it it certainly imparts immunity to populations because most of us are going to be exposed to Mm -hmm. Omicron, and and some of us may be asymptomatic. Some of us uh, there will be varying responses to the virus to this Omicron strain because you've got varying variations in people's immunity, which is. of normal population biology but then also some of us are vaccinated some of us aren't um and and so the the symptoms that people experience can be still quite variable with omicron but the immunity that is probably that we would expect in a population is is that most of us are going to now have some immunity to this to this sars to this covid virus right um and so an event like it like this omicron strain really does lead us more towards closer and closer to herd immunity um whether we achieve that by vaccine or whether we whether we end up there um by by enough of us kind of getting sick
0: yeah and and you know what what is it that makes um one of the variants rise to the level of where we all know the name delta and omicron and what's your what's your prediction and you may not want to get your crystal ball out but what when do you think omicron will be over and what will be the next iteration or you know what what's your sense of where we are in this whole, uh, and I know I know we don't know. Um, what sure. About, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, it's it's a fair it's a fair discussion. The um, the the labs throughout the world and and, and largely um, institutes of health and, and the CDC are, are the types of institutions that are are running this. They take a certain sampling of all of the positive tests throughout the world or in, in populations as they designate them. And then they genetically test the different strains to find out how, we know the virus is gonna mutate, but we're just wondering what direction it goes and, and how to try and predict which mutation is gonna cause the most the, the most illness. And, and they've done this for generations with the flu virus. It's a very similar set of concepts that you utilize to try and pick which strain of influenza is going to tear through the world and get everybody sick. So, so it's the same same ideas that they're applying to to COVID, and so they they follow that very carefully. And the the ones went to, to answer the question, how do we predict which one is going to um, tear through the world and which one do we do we, uh, do we see on the news and and right. then we all learn its name, right? Right. Um, exactly. Is 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 by observing its its genetics and how adapted is it to our bodies in, in several ways, one, uh, to become more contagious, kind of like we talked about a little bit earlier, but also is it, is it slowly developing, um, resistance isn't quite the right word, but evasion is, is a word that comes to mind of our immune systems. Um, and, and can it, is it, is it a little bit more resistant to the virus than the other strains before? So they watch that very closely. And then usually based on a couple of, Couple of those types of dynamics, they can predict which ones are going to be um, are going to be the most problematic. Um, to answer the question of how long is Omicron, like what's our, what's our time estimate? Delta seems to have hung around a lot longer than it looks like Omicron is going to. Um, and like, said, there's always uncertainty in in these types of um, in, in these types of considerations. But um, we have pretty good patterns from South Africa and from the UK. I mean, then even in the eastern United States, to be honest with you, the northeast, it seems like uh, Omicron kind of plateaued and it's starting to come down. And And the thought is, is that a, a, a virus like this particular strain would be one we would expect to really rage. Um, and then within three to four weeks, you'd expect it to largely be on, on its way down.
0: Okay. Yeah, I know we're all hoping for February to have a break from this. A couple questions from the chat. Um, someone was asking, and with the earlier uh, versions of COVID, uh, there was a lot of taste and smell affected. Is that the same um, with Omicron?
1: Not, not great question. Not nearly as much. I'd, say, in fact, I'd say less than because I, I get to see. Man, I, I probably get to see at least fifteen or. 20 cases of Omicron, at least the last, over the last couple of weeks every day. And I'd say very few of them lost their taste of smell. I I'd say I I'm, I'm going to throw out there like less than
0: 10%. Okay. Cause that was kind of the, the big clue at the very beginning, right? Um, mm-hmm. COVID 19 1.0, <laughs> yeah. that was, a, that was a headache and all that. And then we have another question from the audience asking if it's possible to get exposed over time and build immunity without ever actually developing COVID.
1: That's like, that's, that's a sound question. Um, the academically, yes, that the answer, like conceptually the answer that the short answer is yes. Um, if, if we had been exposed and I'm sure there are individuals that are in this situation where we had been exposed to COVID and maybe didn't get sick, um, and our immune system still creates, um, some immunity to, to the virus. The longer answer is, is that the immunity isn't nearly as predictable um and it also there's also some thoughts um some suspicions maybe is the better word that if if we don't mount a really significant reaction and and by reaction i mean getting sick like us getting the achy the fever the, there's there's questions and it's controversial whether if if our bodies don't mount a real immune response which is largely when, when we're sick and we feel terrible and we have a fever and we have um, like miserable sinus congestion and our tonsils are swollen and stuff. That's, that's largely our immune system, making us feel that way. It, it's, it's our, it's our bone marrow and our and the rest of our immune tissues kind of going to war. Um, and, and so that's what it, it's our own bodies that kind of make us feel miserable is one of the concepts. And so the idea is that if, if we don't mount a real sort of marked response to the virus. Yeah. We don't know what that immunity is going to look like. Immunity is a, it's considerably more complex than just, do I have X antibody or Y antibody? It's very, it's very dynamic and multifaceted. So, so the short answer to the question is yes. Um, but the, the longer discussion really is, is that immunable, is that immunity reliable? Is it, is it, um, as effective against, you know, in protecting me against subsequent strains is the, is the bigger question. the the, the vaccines provide a, you know, orders of magnitude, more reliability as far as immunity goes.
0: Great. Lots of good questions coming from the chat. Um, we have one from someone that just wanted to know, um, will patients be told what strain they have if they, if they surface and they're, you know, they're not feeling well? Uh,
1: the short answer is no. Um, (laughs) so, so the, and, uh, it'll, we can say it's, it's a COVID at this point, we're almost kind of saying it's a COVID like virus, right?
0: Okay.
1: (laughs) Once you get enough, uh, once you get enough, um, uh, once you get enough uh, uh, variations or or mutations of the virus, but we, when we do a test, we test for kind of, it's, it's a thumbs up, thumbs down test. Is it COVID? Is it not COVID? Um, And, um, and then the, as I was mentioning, the labs in every area will take a like a, a subset of them, like three percent or five percent of the cases, and they'll actually do the genetic testing um, on the strains. But we don't do that um, typically. It, it's not that it can't be done; it's just not typically or regularly done. Um, and one of the reasons is is it's it's a little bit onerous and expensive. The other thing is um, it doesn't change the clinical decision making or the clinical recommendations for to get a patient to to help a patient get well.
0: Okay. That's great. Um, I had a question about, um, about just the impact on people's lungs. That was something that we really heard a lot about at the very beginning with COVID. And so many patients you know, were put on um, respirators and ventilators and things. And so is that the case with Omicron too? Um, will your lungs be severely impacted if you get a really bad case of it?
1: What happens... Um, so what's far more damaging to our lungs... Is if we go into what's called respiratory failure. So if if we what the, what makes COVID dangerous is if it hits our lungs really hard and we go into respiratory failure. I one thing I tell folks almost every day is is that COVID, Omicron, Delta, all of them, they can cause any symptom or no symptoms, and and they're dangerous. They're very real, and we need to be vigilant about it. If they don't shut our lungs down, most of us do fine, um, and, and, and we'll recover if they, if they do hit our lungs really hard, what happens is you get an overreaction, uh, uh, in the lungs and, and our lungs fill up with fluid and respiratory failure means our bodies can't supply themselves. They can't supply itself with oxygen. Um, and when that happens, a whole bunch of stuff starts to go wrong really fast. Um, and so it's not, it's not the Omicron itself or the COVID that damages our lungs, it's, it's our, again, our body's reaction to the virus. And if, and if we go into respiratory failure, we almost Mm -hmm. never come out of the ICU or, or hoping, hoping that we do come out. Um, We almost, we almost never come out with the same uh, lung capacity, like our lung function. There's always some scar tissue or some fibrosis that goes with it. So, so too long of an answer, but there's
0: no, that's really,
1: helpful. but but really it's the, what damages our lungs is if we end up in the hospital and we end up in respiratory failure. Oh, absolutely! No, will we'll, that that'll affect our lungs likely forever. Um, getting a a relatively mild case of COVID is not likely to impair our lungs in any functional way long term.
0: Okay, great. I wanted to ask you a question about children. So, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, our colleagues and you know, I've got little grandkids that are too young to be vaccinated. So what should we be doing to protect our our younger um, children from the vaccine? I mean, not from the vaccine from COVID. <laughs> they can't get the vaccine,
1: so yeah. Um, the thankfully, this particular virus is not, and we're all I, I I think the the powers that be and 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 heaven and every anything else we believe in that that this is the case. Um, the COVID has not affected younger children. Um, adversely. There, there, there are some isolated cases where children have gotten terribly ill or been admitted to the hospital, but COVID, younger children seem to do very, very, um, they do fine, I guess is what I'd say with COVID. I, they almost always have a fever. I've gotten to see lots of babies and lots of toddlers with COVID. And and they're really not, um, in kind of the general sense, they're really not that sick. Um, they have a fever and they're miserable or runny nose and it's, and, and any of us who have had or have toddlers know it sick at all is no fun when, when you've got, uh, when you've got (laughs) kids at home, but, but in, in the sense of, is it dangerous for them? It's really not terribly dangerous in a big picture sense, uh, for younger children. Thankfully, um, at least we haven't seen patterns to suggest such, um, now the, the, um, any, any child who is eligible to receive the vaccine, of course, I would highly recommend that, that our kiddos get vaccinated. I have four children of my own. They're all vaccinated. They're all boosted. Um, and, or the, I should say the ones that, uh, qualified for a booster are boosted. Um, but, but big picture to answer that question, thankfully COVID isn't super dangerous for younger kids. Um, and uh, and it's it's the same precautions as we would have for anyone else of just if if we're sick, we need to try and distance, we need to try and do what we can, masking um, uh, and and isolating appropriate like we're being guided.
0: Okay, good to good to know well, probably one last question from the audience. and um, someone is wondering, would it be possible to te- test negative? You've got like a sore throat, but then a couple of days later, you're not feeling so well and you test
1: positive. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and that's, and there's several, there's several reasons for why that scenario could play out. Okay. Um, so the, and it, and it also, and it also depends on the type of test because uh, there's, there's several different types of tests we utilize when we're testing for COVID. Um, and, and some of them are more sensitive than others. Um, and, and what the, what the test is looking for is actually um, what's called RNA. Um, so it's, it's, it's a specific type of molecule that, that lives in the virus or or is in the virus. Um, and so there has to be a certain, what's called viral load or viral count. So you have to have kind of enough of the virus in you for the test to pick it up. Um, and, and each test is kind of a little more sensitive or less sensitive than another. So it's possible to have a, a, a false negative, say if you tested way early on, right when your symptoms start. Sure. Um, and then say a couple of days later to take another test, whether it's more or less sensitive, you could totally test positive later.
0: OK, great. Well, um, I've been really enjoyed this conversation with you. Is there anything um, before we wrap up today that you'd like to, you know, advice that you'd like to give the people that are listening today and watching um, or any um, resources that you would refer them to? Yeah,
1: this this has been a. Um, An an absolutely constantly changing, shifting situation of what is—you know—the the the the, the very fair question of what's the best thing to do. What should I do, doctor? What you know? What's you know? What what what? Then there's the question of what should I do as a patient, and then there's the question of what should we do, right, as a community? Um, And 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 those have been huge strains, of course, for everyone through this whole pandemic. And and largely, I actually think we've done pretty well. I'm not, you know, there's certain, I mean, we'll, we'll look back on this and we'll have lots of lessons to learn, but I, I just like to look back and acknowledge the tremendous um, efforts people have made to try and take care of themselves, but also to take care of community. Um, And, and I, I still right now, the most relevant, uh, helpful intervention for ourselves and, and for, for me and for us um, is to get a vaccine. Certainly. Um it, really, really more than masking, in my opinion. Uh, you know, um that that is that is just a really, really crucial piece for all of us to to try and get to herd immunity and to to put this virus largely behind us. Um the other thing that I tell everybody is is that it's gonna happen. We're gonna get there. It's you know, I don't I don't think most of us could have realized how long this was gonna go on and just how yeah, anybody <laughs> and just how how massively this was gonna affect all of us for so long. Um, yeah. But that all being said, and as and as miserable of a slog as this as this has been um in its own ways, we're gonna get there. It's gonna happen. But the, the biology favors largely the direction that, that we're likely to go. Um and I and I think people are making best efforts all around. Uh, I've been I've been particular it's it's been a heavy call to duty if you've been right, in healthcare yeah. through this pandemic. Um and another another thought I've shared with a lot of people is that you know, we don't we don't ever know when the most kind of like crux work of our career is going to show up in front of us. Right. But for the last couple of years, I've been thinking, you know what, that might be right now. Um, some of the most, you hope
0: so. You hope so. You hope it's not going to happen again.
1: But yeah, well, I'm I'm very hopeful. And I'm hopeful and upbeat that, that we're, we're going to get through this. We're winning. We're winning slowly, but we're winning.
0: Well, we are so fortunate to have you working with us at Providence, Dr. Litchfield, and um, thank you for all your great insights today. Um, we, I love your positivity. Let's hopefully we're on the other side of this by summertime or even spring. So nice. um, just want to thank everybody for listening today and um, for joining and sending in your questions. To learn more about our initiatives, programs, and services and ways to give, please look at providence.org. And make sure, please, to follow us on social media, uh, Providence Health System at LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram, and under Providence at Twitter. So thanks, everybody. Stay healthy. We're thinking of you. And um, if you know a Providence caregiver, send them a text or or a, a call or put a Facebook message and just thank them because they have been working so hard to take care of our communities. And I just couldn't be more proud to work with doctors like Dr. Litchfield and so many others that are really keeping our communities healthy. So thanks everybody.